2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Read the first seven verses with me, please. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. And as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down, Elisha cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. Wait, what? Read it again. The iron did swim. Therefore said he, Elisha, take it up to thee, the man who had broken the axe, and the head fell off. And he put on it, and he put out his hand and took it. Title for the message this morning is The Iron Did Swim. The Iron Did Swim. Now, a couple of things that we have to really take hold of in the Word of God. This is this is strange. Right to say that this is not a strange thing, you would you would be mistaken. This 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 is not an everyday kind of thing going on here. It might seem trivial uh, to some, but it's not it's not a small thing at all. What happened here? But when something looks as out of place as this in the Word of God, I encourage you to stop what you're doing. You might have plans to read the whole chapter and get whatever accomplished, but I encourage you to stop and consider what just happened. When something seems so extraordinary and so out of place, I encourage you in your personal studies to stop and consider. I also want you to know before we really dig into this thing that the man Elisha was, it can be, can be, it can be said that he was the pro, a prophet of the resurrection. What do you mean a prophet of the resurrection? If you go back to, or early in 2 Kings, this man Elisha Okay, so his predecessor, Elijah, Elisha saw him carried up in a chariot of fire. He saw Elijah being resurrected, okay? After that, there was a, a spot there that, that the water had dried up and they had no water. So when, when, when Elisha comes on the scene by the power of God, there was water that was brought to that place. And you could say that that area was revived or that there was a resuscitating it was resurrection you could see that there was a, a a woman that that she had nothing at all and and she said oh just you know uh, uh, we've just got nothing and her sons were going to be sold to the creditors and elisha said bring your pots not a few and they filled those pots full 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 and so they had so much to pay off the debt and had extra to live off of there was a woman that she prayed for a son, and Elisha said, this time next year you'll have one. And this, this woman conceived, and then the boy grew, and he was out uh, in the field. And he says, oh, my head, and he died. And Elisha, the prophet, came in and laid on top of this man, young man, and the, the, the man arose, resurrected. 
Naaman had a, 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 an issue of leprosy, which was a death sentence. That's a picture of sin. Elisha says, go dip seven times in Jordan. This man, it says that his, his, uh, his skin became as a child, as a baby's. So Elisha, a prophet of the resurrection, I, I believe everything he did pointed to a, a resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe we can see that in this passage as well. And while those other things, it might have seemed like a bigger deal than a, than a silly old piece of iron falling into water, I, was, I believe we see the glory of the resurrection, specifically in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ right here in 2 Kings chapter 6. First, I want you to see in verse 1 that they were in a tight spot, okay? And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight, it's too narrow, it's too small for us. Uh, so what he was basically had is, is he had a, a college of prophets there. He, he was uh, the, the man of God and these other prophets, they were, they were uh, studying in, uh, under him. God had granted them ability to be prophets, but they were studying under, under him at that time. They literally had no room to move, to live, to operate. They were crowded. Okay, That, that was the issue at hand. In chapter 6 and verse 1. But also, I'd like for you to just consider for a moment, in a figurative sense, that's the position of every person born of a woman, save Jesus Christ himself, or bound and, and hemmed in so that we cannot move or live or operate except that we do it according to the flesh. By birth, that's all we can do. The, the place that we live in this life, it's just too straight for us. It's too straight. We, we cannot. Look in Romans chapter 7, if, you, if you'll hear this just for a moment. Romans chapter 7. We live under the law of God, okay? I mean, there, there's no one that can escape that. There's no one that can escape that. So that, that makes the place real narrow, for real straight for us. In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. That sounds like a straight spot, doesn't it? For that which... I do, I allow not. For that which I do, I allow not. So I do stuff I'm not supposed to. For that, that I, for what I would, or those things I should do, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. I don't do the stuff I'm supposed to under the law, which is spiritual, being flesh and carnal and sold under sin. And the things I'm supposed to do under the law, being spiritual, because I'm carnal or flesh and sold under sin, I can't do and I won't do. He continues the idea in verse 19, Romans chapter 7, verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am. So you see we're in a, in a, in a straight spot, we're in a tight spot. Every single person that is born carnal in the flesh, every one of us is in a, in a straight spot before God. And even if we try to, to make the place bigger for ourselves and accommodate ourselves, there is no amount of accommodating we can do to make us in a wide open place before God. There's nothing that we can do. What a type spot. But they tried. Look in verse 2. They tried to make a place for themselves. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there. That where we may dwell. And he said, answered, go ye. 
People try to make a place for themselves. By birth, I try to make a, a place for myself. You try to make a place for yourself. Now, in a practical sense, that's not bad to build, to grow, to clear, to labor in a practical sense. I mean, th th this place here, it, it kind of grown up jungle-wise, and we had somebody clear it out. That's, that's not a bad thing to do in a practical sense, but spiritually, it's without benefit at all whatsoever. That's been the problem of men ever since the beginning. We try to make a place for ourselves. Whether that's the building of insufficient coverings, you think of Adam and Eve back in the garden, they fell, what did they do? They tried to make... They tried to build themselves coverings of fig skin, or uh, fig leaves rather, back in Genesis chapter 3. But in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, what had to happen? The Lord clothed them with the skins of animals, right? So people try to build for themselves a, a sufficient place for themselves to make a place for themselves with coverings. They try to build for themselves uh, up. To meet God, think of the Tower of Babel. Hey, we're going to meet God in the air. Let's build a tower. We can, we can meet God in the air. Make a place for ourselves in the heavens with God. Genesis chapter 11. That didn't work either. Whether people try to build images of gods that resemble, that please, and are pleased by us. People make those images. If you were to consider, I won't read it on your own time, in the book of Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar saw, a, he had a horrible dream and he couldn't remember what it was. So Daniel told him what the dream was and interpreted it. And he said, hey, look, there's this great image and the, at the top of it's gold and underneath that's silver and underneath that's brass and underneath that's iron and underneath that is iron mixed with stone. And you, Nebuchadnezzar, you are, are that golden head of that thing. Well, rather than repenting, knowing that in that vision there was a stone that was going to smash the whole thing and that stone is the Lord. Rather than repenting, what did he do in chapter 3? He built that big, giant, gold statue of himself. And that's when the Hebrew children were thrown into that fire. Where are we going with that? People try to build and make a place for themselves. And, and even hearing the wonderful testimonies of God and his glory and his kingdom, all they see are images of themselves. That's what false gods are. People making images unto themselves that they please by. Well, there's no benefit of that. Where they're building happiness in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? if you look at the, in, in the book of Proverbs, Pro, Ecclesiastes is right behind the book of Proverbs. People try to make a place for themselves doing all kinds of stuff, whether in coverings or buildings or, or images or just trying to build happiness to themselves, trying to make a place for themselves. Oh, this is my life. I, I get one shot at it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a place for myself and just be happy and live my life. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men, which... They should do under the heaven all the days of their life. Just, just be happy. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in, all, in them all, of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to, to water therewith the wood that springeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. 
I gave me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and of their provinces. I gave me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great. You know, people who try to make a place for themselves. Oh, ain't I great? And increase more than all the heart, uh, all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Oh, he made a place for himself. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity or emptiness as the wind, and vexation or trouble of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly, but what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. Wisdom, godly application of godly knowledge of the affairs of life. As far as light excelleth darkness. He tried to make a place for himself. He tried in a narrow place. Being a man, he tried. Even the, the smartest, this is Solomon speaking, so the wisest man that ever lived tried to make a place for himself. Yet it was all empty. It was all vanity. Trying to make a place for ourselves. Of what use? Trying to make a place for ourselves in a narrow place before God. All we can do is vanity. And, and even the best of things, you could accumulate and had everything Solomon had, even gain the whole world, but yet lose your own soul trying to make a place for yourself. Whether they were building a false religion or pretense. You know, people heap religion to themselves. Religion, religion. Book of Ezra, we mentioned this yesterday, Brother Adam and I were, were talking. You look in the book of Ezra. Where in the world is Ezra? Find the book of Job. It's Before Job, there's Nehemiah. Before Nehemiah, there's Ezra. Ezra chapter 4. In my Bible, it's on page 520. Ezra chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now when the adversaries, when the opponents of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then that came to Zerubbabel, he was the governor, and to the chief of the fathers, and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher, Assyria, which brought us up thither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua the, the, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, had commanded us. There were people that had a perception and a pretense of religion. Someone trying to make a way for themselves in a tight spot through religious motives and saying, hey, look, we all serve the same God. Well, guess what? That doesn't get you anywhere either. We're going to see the solution here in just a moment. But also... Even one building on perception of circumstances, even with good intention. We have what we have right here. Who said the place was too small? The prophets did. Did God say the place was too small for them? No, the prophets said the place is too small for us. Many good men and churches take matters into their own hands to try to make a place for themselves. Not being content with their place, wanting to make a bigger place. They devise plans. And what do they do? They start with, as one brother says, their gimmicks, games, and gadgets. 
They start with uh, labors to broaden, and, and, and it's good to labor unto the kingdom. And guess what? If every man takes up his own beam, well, well, who's in charge of making sure those beams are right? If everybody does their own thing, that leaves a lot of big room for error, and that's exactly what happens in this text. There was one man that trying to do things his way, he really messed things up bad. But it's better to be content, being possessed with unfailing strength in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says that. I'll read that. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, let your conversation or your living be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, in a practical sense, it's okay to clear out a little bit of this place, uh, place. But in a spiritual sense, no, sinner, don't be content with what you have. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Child of God, do be content with what you have. And don't try to improve on God's works by trying to do your own thing. You see a sad turn of events here. Look in verses 3 through 5. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, to go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, somebody was cutting down a tree, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Okay, so again, to recap, they were in a tight spot to try to make a way for themselves, and now you got a terrible turn of events here, a sad turn of events. Anybody ever try to cut down a tree by hand? you gotta, you got to really, really, really badly misuse an axe for the axe head to fly off of the shaft and land into a neighboring body of water. I mean, that's... That's just badly misused, right? Badly misused. Such is the case with every single person that ever lived. If you see that that axe, the head and 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 the 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 handle, the axe handle as an instrument, every single person that has ever lived is but an instrument or a tool. We're just we're just a part of the creation of God, you could say. So as much then as this axe, the, the handle and the head, were badly misused in trying to make a way for himself, such is the case with every sinner that has ever lived. We badly misuse ourselves as a tool trying to make a way unto the Lord. Badly misused. Even the best among us are, are, are just terrible and sinful before God. Badly misused. There is, no, there is no correct way to sin. We'll say it that way. Every sin is a bad misuse of our mind and our bodies. Badly misused. One may have come up on this man, and as he said, as the head fell in the water, and he cried, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. One might have said, Well, how in the world, man, did it get way over there? What were you doing? One man wrote that these men, in addition to being prophets, also were tradesmen. So they would have at least been proficient in being able to, to, to gather and to farm and to build and, and to do different things according to their, their trade. But even so, this guy, who, who if it was his trade to, follow, to fell a beam or to cut down wood, 
uh, even in his, quote, expertise, would have badly, badly misused a beam. Badly misused this axe, right? Badly misused. You see, in addition to this tool being badly misused, it was this tool was also a broken tool, wasn't it? So as, as sinners before God, in addition to being badly misused before him, each one of us by birth is broken under the fall. There, and, and it's not like it was fractured but still in place. The, the handle was one place and the axe head was in another place. Some people might think that they're just only slightly broken and therefore they can mend themselves unto use. No, this guy was not going to be using this axe under these conditions. Every tool, every sinner under God is badly broken, badly broken, even fracked, just apart, you see. Who in the world can mend? Who in the world could bring that together? The problem with most under false religion is they don't see the bad misuse of themselves and they don't see how broken they actually are. I believe in total depravity. Meaning that there, there is none so broken as every sinner that's ever been born. None so broken. Just as much as, as you could see a dead animal on the side of the road, they, there might be uh, you know, different, different uh, smells. One might stink more than the other, but they're all equally dead, all equally broken, right. you see. How terrible. What a sad turn of events here. This man trying in a tight spot trying to make a way for himself, but being badly misused in this, this badly broken tool. And guess what? This tool was also borrowed. What did he say here? Yeah. Alas, for it was borrowed. Don't forget ever for a moment that you're not your own. Look in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel. Chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. Who's speaking? The Lord. Verse 3 As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more uh, use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. It's the Lord. The God of Israel, the, the Lord, God Almighty, Jehovah Elohim says, Behold, all souls are mine. If by birth all souls are his, and they are, then we just borrow them. We just borrow this life for a little while. Alas, it's borrowed. So also the soul of the Son is mine. He says, As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul of sinneth, it shall surely die. Incorporate that into your thinking. Sad turn of events. Trying to make a way for ourselves in a tight spot under the law. Badly misused. A broken tool. Alas, it is borrowed. Oh my. I stand before the living God. Borrowed. Broken. And badly misused. Does that tear you out? It ought to tear you out. I had a friend years ago was riding around with him and he was driving around in his car and he wrecked his car and he didn't know how he was going and it wasn't his car his dad had given it to him he didn't know how he was going to tell his dad oh i have wrecked the car 
That was a sobering day for him. How much more so before the living God to know that you in your borrowed, as a borrowed thing, have offended God Almighty. Your soul is His. See what else? Just follow the logic here. It's wonderful in the beam. The axe fell, axe head fell into the water. And remember in verse 6, it says the iron did swim. So we know that it was an iron axe head. Now you could construct iron in such a way that you could build a boat out of it, but that's not what we have here. We don't have a boat. We got an axe head. It's got a sharp point on one side and it's narrowed. And that thing is meant to cleave or to wedge, right? So with that design, where is that axe head going to be found in that water? The bottom. Oh, sinner. Trying to make a way for yourself in a tight spot, badly misused, broken, borrowed, and bottomed out. Bottomed out. Even, even those saved by grace, listen to what it says in the, in the book of Jude. In verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Where did the axe head fall? To the bottom. Where does every sinner, badly misused, broken, borrowed, where does it? where is it? Bottomed out. Oh, but I'm nice. I'm kind. I bake for the for the 4-H club or whatever. I'm part of this. I'm part of that. I, I Just as that man that stood up in the temple and prayed, I tithe of all that I have, and I'm better than that guy. Bottomed out. The best of men is men is best. That's, that's a saying. There is no one who is not bottomed out by sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans, please. All are bottomed out. Romans chapter 3. But if this doesn't describe the bottomed out sinner, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand that there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and that, that's everyone. Yeah. With their tongues they have used deceit. Their, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, are in our ways. Yeah. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what's, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Who's under the law? That every mouth may be stopped, and all the world, Jew and Gentile, may become guilty before God. All the world, everyone. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Bottomed out. What was the response for a badly misused tool, a broken tool, a borrowed tool, a bottomed out tool? Well, following the bees. Boo hoo. Look at that. Alas, master, for it was borrowed, he cried out. Alas. 
Oh! It's an exclamatory expression of pain, of anguish. No! Oh, I've lost it. I've ruined it. There were some men in Acts chapter 2. Men and brethren, what shall we do? By wicked hands we have crucified and slain the Son of God. In ourselves, we have badly misused ourselves. And and before God, we're bottomed out. What am I going to do? Have you ever... Have you ever been in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 5 before God? I believe that's the case of all sinners that are granted repentance. What do we do? Well, he wasn't going to go in and get it. No one could no one could get it. You know, Jordan, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but it's a pretty murky body of water. It's it's not a clean stream that you go fly fishing in. It's a it's it's a it's a murky, murky water. What do I do? How in the world am I gonna find that thing? How can I recover this? Well, you can't. But the iron did swim. Look at this. I you see here this man is completely incapable of restoring his his condition. Verse 6, And the man of God, the iron did swim, the man of God said, Where, where fell it? And he showed him the place. You ever, you ever done that before? Oh, man, I think it fell over here. We were looking for a garage door opener, and we looked, how long, we, we looked for hours around this place. Sure enough, it was, it was in the lawnmower, not on the yard, but it was in the lawnmower. But it's never where you think it ought to be. Things are never, oh, it's over, it should be over here, it fell over here. But even having a general idea, he, he couldn't have recovered it. That's right. And he showed him the place, and he, Elisha, cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It really is. It was a particular item in a particular place. Before we get into the stick and all that kind of stuff, you see, when he threw that stick in there, it didn't raise up every rock in that bed, did it? Did it raise up all the fish or frogs or, or whatever else is in there? What did it raise up? It raised up that thing that was badly misused, broken, borrowed, bottomed out, and cried over. Boo-hoo. You see, I believe in a particular redemption. I believe whenever... Jesus Christ said, Lazarus, come forth, that Lazarus came forth. I believe when he came to save his people from their sins, that in particular he came to save his people from their sins. I believe in the effectiveness in the gospel. I really do. But let me also educate you or remind you of the idea of buoyancy here, okay? What's buoyancy? The ability to float, whether in water, air, or some other substance. Look again carefully at verse number 6. The axe had fell, excuse me, then the man of God said, where fell it? And again, a particular place and a particular item. And he showed him the place and he cut down a stick. So when he cut down a stick, that stick was alive, wasn't it? It was. We can perceive that it was alive. It was a part of a, it was a living thing. It was, it was alive. And this living thing was cut down 
to save or rescue a dead thing. Iron was a dead, inanimate object. This stick was alive, you see. A living thing cut down a dead thing, or brought up a dead thing. A living thing was was then killed to recover a dead thing, yeah. right? It was, ca- it was cast in, but think about what happens when you cut down, and it wasn't a, uh, it, w- it wasn't a big, huge tree. He cut down a stick. Didn't the people look on the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Behold your king, and they laughed. Oh, what an insignificant thing. They, he, he was set at naught by the builders, rejected. This stick, I don't know how big this stick was, but it was a stick. It wasn't called a beam, it was called a stick. But you cast in a stick in the water, guess what happens? Just think in your, image, in, in your mind, you cast in a stick, it hits the water, it goes under the water, then buoyancy kicks back up and it floats, doesn't it? A living thing cut down, was buried into the water, and came back up. A clear picture. That stick would have died, been buried, and rose again. Look what happens because of the risen stick. Look again, verse 6. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. So as terrible as that sad turn of events was... Such a simple thing as a death, a burial, and a resurrection fixed all the problems, didn't it? Fixed all the problems. It really did. The iron did swim. Well, that sounds impossible. It sounds impossible that a desperate, wicked, unclean, vile sinner would be made the righteousness of God before God Almighty. That sounds impossible. But that's exactly what happened in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A thing that sunk to the bottom, defying all logic and reasoning, swam. How? According to the properties of something else. What a wonderful picture. How in the world could I be presentable before God? According to the properties of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 5. And verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. How? According to his death, burial, and resurrection. Those are sinners saved by grace singing that song. According to the properties of Jesus Christ. Badly misused, broken, borrowed, bottomed out, and crying, boo-hooing sinners. Now, based on the properties of Jesus Christ, are made alive and presentable before God. Romans chapter 6, please. Book of Romans chapter 6. Verses 4 and 5. Keep in your mind an axe head at the bottom of that murky water and that stick being thrown in. It's, it's cutting down. It's going into the water. It's coming back up to the surface. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was risen up from the dead, just like that stick came up, 
by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Just as much as God Almighty made the, the, uh, Jesus Christ arise from the dead, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, what? We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Just like that stick went down and came back up, that dead thing impossibly rose again. Isn't that something? The iron did swim. The iron did swim. This is just, again, Elisha being a prophet of the resurrection. This is a, a picture, a clear picture in my mind of what Jesus Christ actually did for his people. Those that were in a tight spot trying to make a, a way for themselves, badly misused, broken, borrowed, bottomed out, crying out, according to his gospel, recovers his people in his death, burial, and resurrection. The iron did swim. Look at verse 7. Now what? A lot of people stop there. Therefore said he, Elisha, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. For what purpose would you suppose? Okay, so now, now that this person, in the likeness of that stick, their, 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 the axe head did swim. They, they have, by the, uh, in this picture of the gospel, they have been given life. They have been given hope of resurrection according to the gospel. Now what? Now what is this guy supposed to do? Well, he's still a sinner. And just like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, Oh, wretched man that I am, those things that I want to do, I don't do, and those things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. He's still in a straight, he's still in a tight spot, but now he is so with a thing recovered. Child of God, we're, st we're, we're not in the clear. We're, we still live. I mean, as far as our salvation goes, yes, Jesus paid it all, but we still have to live this life. And we're still also in the flesh, tempted by sin. And there are times that we, desire, we try to make a place for ourselves, but never forget. Never forget that sad turn of events when we try to, when we try to badly misuse ourselves and all those things that happen. So what do you think? You think this guy took this axe head and he put, took it home and put it on a shelf so his family could say uh, forever, oh, remember that one day? You think he went and hid it? What do you think he did with it? I think he took it up. That's what it says, right? And he took it. He was told, take it up. What did he do? He took it. What is an axe head used for? Well, it's used to work, isn't it? I believe that he took it up, and now, having perceived these things, I believe he, in his in his mind and in his heart, he said, you know what? I ain't going to do that again. You ever done something dumb and broke it and said, okay, well, now that i got a new thing and I'm going, I ain't going to do that again. I'm not going to do it that way. I would suppose this man... After suffering all those tragedies and seeing what he had seen, I believe he took precious care of that instrument. I believe that's what Paul was preaching and turning back to Romans chapter 6. We read just a few minutes ago that in his likeness of his resurrection, we have that same hope. He just read in verse 5, 
If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in, in the likeness of his resurrection. Having, having that hope, I believe this is how, reading forward, this is how that man operated moving forward with that axe head. Read verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Amen. He Note that. He liveth unto God. Likewise, I have that word marked. <laughs> likewise, if, if Christ lives unto God, likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead under, uh, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Not alive unto yourselves, not alive back unto misuse, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. According to that resurrection of that uh, uh, property of that stick, I believe that that man moved forward using that axe in a proper way. How reasonable it would be for a child of God who, receiving the benefit of the death, burial, and resurrection, would take up that instrument that was so badly misused and broken and borrowed and bottomed out. And once, uh, once, once understanding and repentance and crying out to God, now, now having life and living unto God, how reasonable would it be for us to use this tool that we've been given properly, fitly, and for the glory of God. I believe that this man moving forward used that axe properly and fitly. I believe, I believe that he took great care of that thing. I really did. The iron did swim. In studying through this, I, I, I saw myself as that iron, and I, I guess I will see every time I think of this passage, I'll see myself as that iron. That iron, you know what, honestly... I know oxidation and breakdown and all this kind of stuff, but whatever would have been left of that axe head would still be there today had it not been for that stick that was cut down and rotted back up. Sinner, you're in a tight spot. Whether you know it or not, you're in a tight spot. You really are. And you try to make a way for yourself, you know, living good, living upright, do this, don't do that. I don't cuss as much as I used to. I, you know, I, I, I try to be good and all this kind of stuff. You try to make a place for yourself. But even the best of us are badly misused, broken, borrowed from God and bottomed out. The Lord didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, Right? problem with most, most people is they don't see how badly misused they are. They don't see their brokenness. They don't see that they owe God anything. They don't see that they belong to the Lord. And they certainly don't, don't see that they're bottomed out in sin. No, I'm okay. There's a man that died thinking he was okay and he lifted up his eyes in torments. Luke chapter 16. Yet I will give you good news. There it is in verse 6. The iron did swim. The iron did swim. To see yourself as that piece of iron, you can only swim based on the properties of Jesus Christ. You can only, you, you can only swim 
based on his properties. You could only have life based on his death, burial, and resurrection. Don't live in denial. This flesh will deny will live in denial. This flesh will try to cover up. You know, I suppose that man could have said could have just kept quiet about it and, and hoped that his his neighbor whom he borrowed off of wouldn't miss the thing and just maybe it'll go maybe nobody'll notice. There's a day of reckoning. There is. But behold, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He the Son of God. Born, born of a woman, yet absolute deity, lived an impeccable life. He could not sin, he would not sin. He, he went to Calvary. Yes, what men did, the stripes and the pulling his beard and all that stuff, it was terrible. God Almighty judged him. God Almighty laid sin upon him. Romans chapter 8, it says, speaking of this very thing, Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, for his people. He judged Jesus Christ. It wasn't the works of man that, that saves people from their sins. It wasn't what the Romans did or the Jews crying out, crucify him. It was God Almighty, God the Father pouring out his wrath upon his son in the place of his people. That's substitution. God Almighty saw of the travail of his soul and was satisfied. If he, uh, Isaiah 53. He died, was buried, and rose again. Rising again. He justified his people. He ever liveth to make intercession, plead for his people. Only in his gospel, sinner, can you be risen. Only by his gospel can you swim. Only by his gospel will you be recovered. Only by his gospel. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Only, Only one that will call upon the Lord would see their need for it. Someone, if I had a glass of water and offered it, you wouldn't take it unless you saw a need for it. I'm not saying that salvation is conditional on what you will do or what you can do or think. But none will call upon the Lord except they see their need of salvation. I know that God grants that. But none will call upon the name of the Lord except they see their need. Do you see your need? Child of God, I thank God for these things. Along the way, have you seen yourself as that iron laying there at bottomed out in that body of murky water? What would be our greatest thanks toward God? But to take it up and use what God has given us properly unto him. Praising God isn't just saying praise God. Praising God is living for him. Why call ye me Lord and do not the things I say? The Lord says in the book of Luke, in the book of John, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I told you to do. Our greatest thanks toward God. How did this man express thanks? Well, he took out his hand and he took it up and I believe he used it properly. 
we read in the book of Romans, how does a child of God express our thanks unto God for salvation, for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? We live unto him. May the Lord help us. Brother White, please come lead us in song.